Hey everyone, I'm L. Jones, host of An Average Fan Podcast and the In-N-Out Hoops Podcast. You can find these shows currently streaming right now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Number one rule, continue, and always remember to rate, like, and subscribe to get notifications on when new episodes are out. Now everybody, the moment you've been waiting on. The show. This is An Average Fan Podcast with your host L. Jones. Hey everybody, we're back. This is an Average Fan Podcast, your host, L. Jones. Week three college football. Y'all know my slogan. It did not disappoint. Got to learn some things, got to see some things, interesting tidbits and takeaways, all that good stuff, right? But the crux of this show will do a we'll do a preview of week four college football. We have some major, y'all. We have some major matchups. Can't wait to talk about them. Whoo, got a lot to go into that. So we're gonna we're gonna break, gonna really get into some things and have some fun, right? Looking into this college football. Can y'all believe we are already about to be a quarter of the way through the season? Time waits for no man nor woman on this planet. It's amazing, amazing times, amazing times. So. Start out with some college football news. Mel Tucker has been let known that he is out of here at Michigan State. This is just a formality. We figured it would go this route once everything kind of got going with this whole Brenda Tracy situation and an investigation now that has been going on almost for two years now. I've been looking into this situation and some of the things, so – yeah, Michigan State of Form, Mr. Mel Tucker, your services will no longer be needed. Hopefully, for his sake, he lands on his feet. All things work out. Sickos, if you're into that weird stuff, that type of thing, hopefully he gets his help. But if not, if this is a false accusation, let justice have its course as always. More college football news. So the Colorado State Police Department uh, and local authorities are starting to look into threats including death threats that uh, Colorado State DB Henry Blackburn received. Not just him, but his family as well. This is kind of interesting for the simple fact that if you do not know who Mr. Blackburn is, he is the guy that gave Mr. Hunter a lacerated liver, or he developed, he delivered a just monster shot. Context provided. It was a lot of back and forth going on before the game. Tempers, testosterone, all that good stuff. Getting these boys out here, hitting hard. Some people know how to channel their emotions in their play. Some people play through their emotions. Nevertheless, he had an opportunity to kind of let up, and he chose to keep going long after the ball was incomplete and just blow up Travis on that sideline. So, obviously, um, prayers and speedy recovery up to Travis. No Colorado will miss him dearly. They say he's scheduled to be out the next three weeks, which the next two weeks you have Oregon and USC. So he'll be missed. But back to Mr. Blackburn, here it is. You deal with the consequences of your actions. And the hit was tasteless. It was not in the sense of making a a 
a tough play. You're sending a message, but you're sending the wrong message, obviously. So it's not right that he and his family are receiving death threats. But this is the world that we live in. It's unfortunate. And you really don't like to see it. But it was just a, a ugly hit, which brings me to a rant. Can I rant just for a second before we get into week three? People, please, 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 please look into what targeting really is. And I, I saw it on Saturday night, and so many people were just like, it's not targeting. That's not, you guys don't know the rules. He clearly didn't. And sometimes you read these comments and you're like, it, it has to be sarcasm at this point, right? It has to be sarcasm, right? Like, that truly is that 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 hit is truly defined as targeting, right? He is a defenseless player. First and foremost, it doesn't always have to be helmet to helmet contact. There are certain things in certain situations that overrule these things, right? It's not always just about ah uh, he didn't he didn't launch he didn't launch. But the the targeting rule isn't so much about just protecting the player's head it's player safety right if the player is defenseless like in this situation travis is defenseless it has to be targeting right this guy targeted him out and he hit him right seek and destroy come on now but i'm just saying that because targeting his targeting his is really ruining this sport more so than nil and i don't think people really thought that we were just so concerned that nil would ruin college football and the transfer portal will just hurt college football and no one will ever want to watch it again. But all I know is these targeting calls have made people not want to watch college football. We we're about to talk about a week three and a week four that is brought to you by the transfer portal. And why do I say that? Because there have been teams that have benefited from the transfer portal. And I think the parity that we are seeing here early on in the season is due primarily to the transfer portal. Just think about it. The team that everybody loves right now or that everybody loves to talk about, Colorado, we already know their story, right? Where did all their players come from? Transfer portal. That's right. So some of your favorite, your, your favorite teams, some of your new favorite players, they probably came through the portal. So, yeah, out goes that theory. Week three, we saw some things. Let's get into it. Georgia took on South Carolina in the SEC East matchup. That went down, and so did South Carolina. 24 to 14. What if I told you guys that Carolina was up 14 to 3 at the half over Georgia? What are your thoughts? Hell, if you were watching the game, what was your thoughts? I left away kind of interesting, right? I'm like, hmm, Georgia's down. Georgia is down 11 points at half, 14-3. Mm, that, that's okay. Got a whole second half. Seen this story before. Got a lot of talent. Certain things when you know, you know, right? But, but. For this to be back-to-back -back defending 
national champions. You guys remember when I was talking about that whole standard thing? And I think Georgia fans, the they're 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 starting to show that, right? They're guys, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Mike Bobo's horrible. Get him out of here. He doesn't know what he's doing. Him and his offense. Man, I'm not sold on Carson Beck. I, I love overreactions, right? Overreactions are fun. But you have to kind of tell people, hey, calm down, calm down, calm down. It's early. It's early. Right? Because if you trust Kirby, you have to trust Kirby, right? He's only brought you two straight national championships. So, Spencer Rattler was doing this thing early, right? He finished the game 20 of 42, 256, one touchdown, two interceptions. See, what the Georgia fans might not tell you is that in the second half, they went on a 21 to nothing run, mm-hmm. right? 14 in the third, seven in the, in the fourth. South Carolina did not taste, touch the end zone. Didn't get in the field goal range. You get you get what I'm saying, right? Georgia defense leaned on him. Just got him tired, and then just started chasing him. And we already knew that that offensive line had some problems, right? Just some. Because North Carolina went out and got nine sacks on him. But, man, what a way to come out and start if you're South Carolina. You just couldn't finish. You couldn't close it, close the deal, so. This is not a team that you can kind of play around with if you understand what I'm saying. It's early on Carson Beck, okay? He didn't have a terrible game. He was 27-35, 269. He didn't have any touchdowns or anything. But it's cool. You have other talent. This is this is how you're able to just beat teams, right? If one thing's not working, you can go to the next. So they ran the football as a team, collectively. Edwards, 118 yards on the ground, touchdown. Cool touchdown moment for Cash Jones to walk on. So you get all this, right, in a game in which people feel like, hmm, maybe Georgia isn't invincible. Time will tell. We had the same reaction to number two Michigan and Bowling Green. People in the first half were like, man, I don't know. It's a 14-6 game at halftime. J.J. McCarthy, three picks. Something's wrong. And then they blink them in the second half, 17-0, to win 31-6. You can look at stats, but I feel like to look at stats is like the ability to comprehend what you're reading, right? People take stats as just numbers, right? Uh, he, he had a great game because he had over 300 yards passing. Right, but how were those 300 yards accumulated over the course of the game? You got to understand what you see. So when we look at this J.J. McCarthy line, right, because all we've heard, especially from the Michigan fans, and I get it, you're excited about the success that you're having. That's on brand. That's what you're supposed to do as a fan. J.J. McCarthy is this. J.J. McCarthy is that. Okay, so he was 8 of 13, right? Which means he had five incompleted or five passes not completed to his team. Three of those incompletions were interceptions. 
whether it be a bad read, whether it be a receiver slip, whatever. He didn't look like the J.J. we've been seeing. But it's okay. It's still early. You're working do you're working through things, right? We were people were just complaining about Michigan's running game. And yet and still Blake Horn goes out and he's a hundred yard rusher. They have 169 yards on the ground. They're trying to get things fixed. I think they'll all be a little bit happy and be ready for like a a breakout effort in Jim Harbaugh's return in week four. So, Michigan fans, you guys can calm down. Jim will be back next week. No burgers, but he'll be back. And we'll just see how that thing turns out. They got Rutgers. That'll be a good one early on because that's the trend. Another game, right? Overreaction Saturday. Number three, Florida State taking on Boston College in the first quarter where we were like, oh, man, it's 7-3 Boston College. Upset's about to go down. Upset is about to happen. And then all of a sudden, Florida State said, nah, not us. Not us, right? 17-10 game at half. Come out. Another 14 in the second half. So you're thinking, man, hey, they're about to put this thing away. They're about to put it away, y'all. 31 to 16 going into the fourth quarter. Then all of a sudden, Boston College comes back, scores 13 points in the fourth. The killer, though, the killer, right? Remember, stats. Sometimes they tell you everything you need to know. Sometimes they don't. The killer in this one? was the 18 penalties committed by Boston College. They were actually driving the ball with a chance to win the game and committed a turn and committed a, a penalty. They, they just end, effect, effectively ended that game, right? Turned the ball over, giving it right back to Florida State so they can run the clock out. So if you're a Florida State fan, you're a reasonable fan, you understand, hey, we're going to have these games, but it's cool. We got past it. Now we can laser focus and lock in on our opponent next week. That's Clemson. We're going to talk about that one, too. But Boston College, man. Man, you have you have a chance to really just – and in this game where Florida State didn't bring it, they just shot themselves in the foot too many times. Too many times. 14, 18 penalties is excessive excessive it's just not a it's not a disciplined team man it's not too many mental issues mental penalties like you can't have that when you're at a talent disadvantage obviously i'm just preaching to the choir but it really shows in this game in these games texas no hangover partial hangover we can definitely call that a hangover okay had to use the 21 nothing run in the fourth quarter to really pull it away 10-10 going into the fourth quarter. They pull away. Texas is good. Texas is really good. Texas fans are hoping Texas doesn't Texas this year. That's a lot of Texas, but hey, it's a big state. You get what I'm saying, right? They're hoping that doesn't happen. Because if it does, 
Don't even want to think about that. Number six. Number six, Ohio State took on Western Kentucky. This was a hyped-up matchup for the simple fact that people are not convinced that Ohio State's defense is truly improved, and you really won't know until you know. And all we knew coming into this game that the quarterback of Western Kentucky, Austin Reed, was highly talked about. He was a what they call veteran quarterback. I love that term for college quarterback. He's veteran. So you're thinking, oh, okay, you know, most guys get out of here in three years. He must be four. No, that guy's 23. So he's, he, he's an adult. He's got things going for him, okay, outside of football. Let's just say that. But we heard about Western Kentucky's ability to just really move the ball around, right, because they were effective at what they do in the passing. This is the same team that put up 40 points on a South Florida team that Alabama struggled with. Spoiler alert. Mm. So, it was a lot made about that, right? Like, oh my gosh, hey. They might they might just dice up that defense. I don't know. And they hold them to 10 points. And it was a it was a wonky fumble that was kind of Landed on by the Ohio State defense that then somehow got away from them. And <laughs> Western Kentucky ended up recovering it and then scoring a couple plays later. But overall, we seen what we expected to see in the first two weeks from Ohio State, right? If you're just looking on the national landscape, you saw Kyle McCord. You saw a quarterback. One thing you – can almost count on early, especially when Ryan Day has a returning quarterback, right? We know that Kyle McCord has never started, been a full-time starter, QB1 status before in the system. But you expect to see crazy stat lines. Like, the quarterback might have more touchdowns than incompletions. We almost got that. He had four incompletions with three touchdowns. So he's 19 to 23 for 318 yards, three tutties. He looked like a weight was lifted off of him because much ado was made about this quarterback battle just like it was Alabama's. Um, quarter, running backs, man, look, I don't think we talk about it enough. That transfer trip, train him. The one that came from Arizona State, he was playing linebacker last year for you guys who are not well-versed in what they do over here in at Ohio State. He was a linebacker last year. Then last game of the season, due to injuries to the running back room, he switched over and had significant carries in their Michigan game, even though they lost. And he turned around this season, he's playing fullback, catching passes out the backfield, blocking, and breaking 40-yard touchdown runs. Now, Mayan Williams, he had five carries as well. So it looks like Chip and Mayan are RB2s. So that gives you three running backs with Travion. They're deep. They're deep. They had 204 yards on the ground. But, hey, everybody's been running on Western Kentucky. Don't worry. Don't worry. The test is coming. The bill comes due, y'all. Ohio State, week four. That's right. Survival Saturday. It's coming to them. They got to take on Notre Dame. In South Bend. Can't wait to get into that one. Penn State took on Illinois. 
another good game. If you like defense, because that's what it was earlier. Hey, man, Luke Altmaier, he's finding out that Penn State has an SEC-like defense. He struggled. He struggled bad. And that might just be kind of due to that offense that Illinois runs, but he struggled bad. My man had four interceptions. Struggled bad. Bad. Just an ugly game all around. Penn State had 164 yards on the ground. It's kind of deceiving, though. Drew Aller had, like, one of those growing pain games as you deal with tough defenses in conference on the road. But one thing you love to see if you're James Franklin is just the turnovers and tackles for loss. and You love to see that. Four interceptions out your defense. Johnny Dixon, Abdul Carter, Daquan Hardy, Cam Miller, getting their hands on the balls, man. Look, you love to see it. If you're James Franklin, yep, Survival Saturday comes to you as well. You got Iowa coming in. Back-to-back game with just some tough defenses. If they want to win that game, they're going to have to protect the ball. Iowa is very sound, very sound on defense. Washington and Michael Penix slammed the door on Michigan State. 41-7, not even close, not even close, y'all. But guess what? Guess what the fans who just happened to watch these Huskies play on on Saturday come away thinking from the game? Man, that Washington wide receiver room is for real. Oh, they're for real. Oh, they're for real. They can easily be one of the top three wide receiver rooms in the country. In the country, y'all. In the country. They just not talk about Michael Penix. If he can, if he can slay the beast. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it, I really think this will be a very interesting season, y'all. I, I really, I can't stress it enough. I'm trying to really contain it until I can just unload about this week for a preview because I'm excited about that. Notre Dame. That's right, the Fighting Irish. They took on Central Michigan. Mopped them up real good. You know what I'm saying? Not looking ahead to Ohio State. They handled their business. This will be an interesting matchup. Can't wait for it. Whew. Number nine, number six. Great top ten matchup. Tenth ranked Alabama, y'all. In a rainstorm down in Tampa, took on South Florida. They won the game 17-3, to a game in which we saw Tyler Buckner, and a game in which we saw Ty Simpson, and a game in which we saw Jalen Milrow, but he did not play quarterback. But he was an excellent teammate cheering his guys on. Where do we start with this one? We'll start by saying Jalen Milrow – Will be the starting quarterback in week four as they take on Ole Miss. Yes, y'all. Survival Saturday hits Alabama as well. Because there was no way on God's green earth, Tyler Buckner nor Ty Simpson goes out against Ole Miss, and they have a chance at winning this game. South Florida, who we're going to use a term in which most college fans are familiar with. If you're not, you're about to be introduced into it or to it, excuse me, 
is transitive property. We're about to use that right now. Western Kentucky put up 40 points on South Florida. Alabama put up 17. You catch my drift, right? It just does not look good. Granted, the conditions were bad, but the talent is there. So there's been a lot of chatter made, right? You start to see it. The dislike. The I'm waiting on the fall off. Because I think most, I don't really want to use this term to put them into a corner, but it's floated around. Casuals, right? The people that just say stuff, to say stuff, do stuff just for the likes, whatever. Not true to the sport. When you look at this Alabama team, they, they're just bad right now, and it's okay. But the casuals, they're just waiting on the falloff. They're, they're waiting on it. I told y'all the dynasty is done. They're dead. That's how you know you're a dynasty, you're, you're a threat, you're, you're, you're on top and you're consistent. When they wait, they just wait. They're just there, right? They're like cobwebs in the house. You don't never see a spider when you look up, but you know it's there. That is the same way you have these, these casuals to just wait on the demise. I ain't going to lie. We got some data points. It's kind of trending low for Alabama right now, but it don't mean it's over, right? They won this way. They won this one. They're still undefeated in conference. They're two and one. Still can win the SEC West. It's not dead. They have to pick it up. But maybe the players sent Nick a message. Maybe they didn't like the QB choice for this week. Felt like it was not good. Now they put that game on film. And they got the Texas game on film. Mill Rose, your guy. Let's see what you can do with him. Tommy Reese. Tried to try his boy out, Buckner. Man, Buckner looked like he was making his first collegiate start. He looked worse in this South Florida game than he did when he took on Ohio State last year. Crazy times. You want to know how crazy the times were? What if I told you number 11 Tennessee would go into the swamp and look really, really bad and lose this game? Would you believe me? They did. They did. Oh, my goodness. Surprised by this one. And it ends in an almost like just a just a brawl, right? Joe Milton did not pack his best game. He was 20 of 34 for 287. Two tutties, one interception. But it just got away from him in that second quarter. It was just, it was just all bad. Tennessee. Might as well go ahead and hang it up because they will not win the SEC East. If we feel like, even with Georgia's struggles, that they're clear-cut the best in the conference and they had a running back get over 100 yards, Trevor Etienne, and Trevor Etienne is no slack, right? No slouch, right? But it's just amazing what that home crowd can do to you. Had 172 yards on the ground. Now, granted, one of those come off of a nice 62-yard rush for a touchdown in which Tennessee showed, yes, I can tackle my own teammate, but I cannot tackle the running back. 
moment and then uh, just a bad tackle by a dude who just happens to look like Joe Milton. It's crazy. Life is weird. But, yes, they had 183 yards on the ground, only 166 through the air, and that is Florida Graham Mertz. The Graham Mertz, not experienced, but it's real. He was 19-24. to 24. Mm-mm-mm. That loss hurts. That loss hurts because now you most certainly have to go perfect. And I don't think Tennessee is playing perfect ball with that schedule because I think they might lose again to South Carolina. Just putting that out there, y'all. Um, LSU just smacked Mississippi State. Smacked them, y'all. Beat them bad. Missouri has the best kicker outside of Justin Tucker, y'all. And I know I probably made some folks in Michigan mad because they're like, <laughs> Jake Moody's pretty good. Nah. Nah, bruh. Nah, bruh. I'm going to tell you about somebody. His name is Mr. Harrison Mevis. Yeah, he missed a field goal. He made up for it. How you do that? He had a 61-yard walk-off. Ooh. 61-yard walk-off? Mr. Mevis, do you understand that if you were in Columbus last year, you would have been a national champion? Golly, boy, I tell you what a great game it was. K-State in Missouri, Wildcats and Tigers, back and forth game. Mizzou pulling it out late. Love to see that. Very hype. And you know what ensued after that. The field storming. You love to see that. Hey. Can we talk about the fact that Colorado needed overtime to beat Colorado State? They undefeated, though. I like it. I love it. I love it. Dion has the same complex or the same – he deals with the same issues that Nick Saban does that I just talked about with the casuals just waiting on the demise. You know, people have been waiting on Dion's demise and his – success thing because you always got haters that's how you know you popping like they say that but it, it kind of correlates and he's been had him since he was playing both sports both baseball and football and it's just like dang he's doing it again he is the ultimate marking guy look y'all do <laughs> like do us a favor right he's taking bullet bulletin board material to a whole new meaning he's actually using this to create business opportunities, the man was selling shades off of Jay Norvell saying simply that his mama, he was he was raised to take his hat off and sunglasses when, when talking to people. Like, Deion said, bet, I got you. Man, it's crazy. Then he went out there and got that W. As I alluded to earlier in the show with the, with the college football news, it was real. That game was real chippy, man. It was real chippy, and I think the swagger. That word feels like a 1990s word now. But the swagger, right? The the persona that is this new Colorado, man. It's gonna run some teams the wrong way, and we're starting to see it. Look, we're about to get a narrative this week, y'all. We're about to get a narrative. Here it is. Everybody's gonna go back and play that clip of Dan Lanning. Talking about what has 
Colorado done for the Pac-12 that we're talking about them leaving? Last time he checked, they ain't won nothing. Survival Saturday, Mr. Lanning comes to you, Colorado, Oregon. Can't wait. That's a good game. Man, that's a good game. But no Travis Hunter. We'll see what type of effect that has on it. As we round it out, man, Washington State is 3-0. Keep your eye out on them. Keep your eye out on UCLA as they are 3-0. And Iowa as well. They put up 41 on Western Michigan. You know how they get down in Iowa. They got to take that show on the road. Because in week four, that's right, I dubbed it, Survival Saturday. Y'all might say I'm overreacting a bit premature, but we got some good games. We got some good games, y'all. Rutgers takes on Michigan for what it's worth. It'll be a good game early because we know that Greg Siano don't give a damn about your feelings, and he will do everything in his power to really make it hard for you to go ahead and execute your game. And we know Michigan's style, they wear you down by the second half, so they'll probably pull away. But as I stated, just Jim Harbaugh's return to the sidelines from the self-imposed three-game suspension, it really means what, right? When your players have been talking about free Harbaugh, free Harbaugh, making the slogan cool, wearing it on a T-shirt, they're going to come out and they're going to try to impress him. And if you're Rutgers, if you can't really score when you need to, meaning if you have Michigan on the ropes, you got to go for the knockout shot. But you got to set it up. Because if you don't, Michigan will destroy you. And they're in the big house. So just think about that. It's a noon game. Another game we got. Clemson, because they lost to Duke. They're not in the top 25. So they messed this matchup up. Otherwise, it would have been a probably a top 10, top 15 matchup. Number four, Florida State taking on Clemson. Can Clay, Kate Kubnick, Garrett Riley, Dabo Sweeney, can they all just coalesce to kind of try to slay this new beast in the ACC that is Florida State? Remember I was talking about transfers, right? Do we understand that Florida State has some key guys, some key skill guys that are transfers? Jaheim Bell, the tight end fullback, running back, whatever you need back guy? Yeah, he's pretty good. Keep an eye out on him. Keon Coleman, the guy who got out of Michigan before it caught on fire, Michigan State that is, transferred. What does Clemson do to neutralize this, y'all? This is going to be a good game. Florida State, we're going to find out a lot about them. They're only a, the line, the current line is two. They're, they're a two-point favorite, y'all. That's not good. It's not good because that game is in Clemson. Ooh, they can't afford to be off kilter. Like I, tell you, like I said, they got that bad one out the way, right? We believe in that, that sort of thing. But damn, damn, damn. Number 19, Colorado takes on number 10, Oregon. Both teams undefeated. First Pac-12 game. This is going to be a big one. 3.30 kickoff, ABC. Everybody will be tuned in 
to see the show. What are some things I think I might see or I think I would probably want to keep an eye out on? The fact that Colorado is a very talented team, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. If this game is closed late, even though I've seen Bo Nix do some bodacious things, plug, but I would trust your door more if he had the opportunity in a late game situation. That's just me. That's just me. But I'm going to say this. Can Bucky Irving get it going? Can he? Because it's yards to be had with that run game. That's all I know. Hey, Noel, Noel Whittington, Jordan James, y'all got to make it go. Y'all got to make it go because that's the one weakness I see that's glaring for Colorado. It's just that, that D-line, man. They've been getting gassed, y'all. They've been getting gassed. And Travis Hunter, not making no predictions tonight, just previews. Travis Hunter, his absence looms large. But Oregon, don't let it be a close game late. I don't think you'll like that. Another West Coast game. Shout out to the Pac-12. The last year, the last hurrah. They are going or at least starting it out with a bang. I mean, dang. We got a top 20 matchup between Colorado and Oregon, and then we got another top 25 matchup with Utah and UCLA. And Utah, quietly, quietly as it is kept, is probably one of the best teams in the Pac-12. It's just that they're not – they don't have that flashy name at quarterback. That is the QB conference right now. Stand up. Look, this is going to be a this is going to be a physical game. We know what style Utah brings. And UCLA better come come into Utah with bad intentions on their mind. Don't come in there like Florida did. Cuz y'all going to mess around, y'all going to find out real quick, real quick. Number 13 Alabama taking on number 15 Ole Miss. I was trending more toward the line of Alabama losing this game if Jalen Milrow didn't play. And since Jalen Milrow is the quarterback, the odds are now that Alabama's a seven-point favorite at home. A lot of people just, they're not convinced that another Nick Saban assistant will go in there and just handle him. He's not had two guys, Kirby and Sark, hand it to him. If Lane does it, Bro, it's open season on Nick. It's open season. It's open season. We got former assistants hunting, hunting. Time's right, though. Blood's in the water, y'all. Old Miss, what you going to do? You're on the clock, 3.30 CBS. Can't wait to watch that one. Hey, we got to have that four, uh, that four screen split going on because we got good games on Saturday. I'm telling y'all. Telling y'all, don't. Look, got another good one. Pac-12. 7 p.m. Number 14, that's right, number 14, Oregon State, DJU. How many people at the beginning of the season would have thought that Oregon State would be ranked higher than Clemson? That's right. Oregon State takes on Washington State. This will be another good game. Oregon State is favored in this one. So this will be a definite game to keep your eye out on. If you're an SEC loyalist, Arkansas plays LSU. Both teams are 2-1 and one coming in 
LSU coming down, coming, coming fresh off that beat down of Mississippi State, Arkansas. You got to go into Death Valley. You didn't look great last week with BYU. Mm-mm. Our nightcap has two prime matchups featuring two different types of Big Ten teams. You got the seven thirty matchup on NBC. You got Ohio State taking on Notre Dame. <sighs> look, y'all. Ohio State is coming in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now in the Notre Dame. Says a lot. It goes to speak that a lot of people are not yet convinced about Ohio State, and this is the week that we feel like we're going to find out about it. This game comes right before Ohio State's bye week. Hartman, Sam Hartman, the Notre Dame transfer, has just been balling out so far early on in the season. One thing you're going to want to see is how this Ohio State revamped D-line takes on this O-line for Notre Dame. And if Sam Hartman sees the similar things that Austin Reed saw last week, what will he be able to do with that defensive picture? What does Jim Knowles do to kind of make Hartman uncomfortable? What can Notre Dame do? Because Notre Dame, look, they got a good defense, y'all. And even with C.J. Stroud, now that, that game was tough because it's at the beginning of the year. Really don't know what to expect from a team. But that Notre Dame team was in a dogfight with Ohio State late, and Ohio State ended up pulling away winning 21-10. to 10. Now that's with C.J. Stroud. This year you got Kyle McCord. Are the Ohio State – and I think this is where the game will be won or lost. This is just my opinion. Obviously, number one is the trenches, right? You want to start in the trenches. Which D-line or O-line dominates, right? But I'm going to go one better. Go one better with you. I think the matchup will be the Ohio State receivers against the Notre Dame DBs. Notre Dame was very physical last year at, at their DB position, and they're very sound in the back end, but they were very physical with Ohio State last year. If the Ohio State receivers are not able to create some type of separation in this, be very physical, right, with these DBs and kind of just push them around, if they're not able to do this, this game will be a lot closer. You'll know if Ohio State is scheming things up and their wide receivers are winning if we look up and in the second quarter – it's a 21-3 or a 21-7 game. It feels different, right? If we go into the halftime and it's 10-7, Notre Dame, you're a Ohio State fan, you're probably pulling your hair out, but you know that you're close enough to stay around. It just depends on how that game trends. Audric Estime is a big guy. Big guy. Interesting to see if Notre Dame tries to set up some play action. Just run him into just run him into those those that D line of Ohio State. What what can he do? So that's an interesting game. Like I said, that's a seven thirty game on NBC. Look, got another good one. We got Iowa and Penn State. Penn State night games are lit. That's a seven thirty CBS game. Who knew we needed that this early in the season? Look, Iowa brings in a tough defense, and that defense might give Drew Aller some problems, especially if they cannot run the ball. The defense is very sound. Drew Aller will have to be on his game against Iowa because, like I said, Iowa's, and Iowa's defense, they will, they will get you. And this is usually a game 
in which Penn State should beat Iowa, but they somehow will end up losing it. And if they do that, the fan base will go crazy on Jane Franklin. Obviously, you know that, but that'll be a good watch as well, too. Penn State's D and Manny Diaz got them boys balling out as well. We end our nightcap with a 10-30 game on Fox. If y'all want to stay, y'all stay up late, please. Look, we got two good ones. You want to see two good quarterbacks play? Number five, USC takes on Arizona State. Yes, Mr. Caleb Williams and the boys going at it. You want to see some explosion, some excitement. Flip it over to ESPN at 10.30 as well. You got Mr. Michael Penix, the left-handed gunslinger, balling out, them taking on two-on-one cow. I expect for Washington to go ham. I expect nothing less. That has been my week four preview for this week. Fun episode, y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Continue to rate, like, and subscribe. Get the podcast out. Share it. Everything's on the table. Love it. Come back middle of the week. Going to talk some more college football. Be listening. Keep your notification bells on so you can get the newest episode. Hitting your phones and hitting your pads and tablets. This has been your host, L. Jones. I'm out.